Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and today I'm joined by Ben Price and John Donovan as we discuss the 0-0 draw away to Blackburn, the 3-0 loss to Luton in the Carabao Cup, some listener questions and we also look forward to tomorrow night's game against Fulham. We also hear from Matt from Fulham Focus who tells us all about the Cottagers season so far, the summer transfers and what they're expecting going into tomorrow night's game. It's a good one, and here's me, John, and Ben chatting about Blackburn. We've got two great guys joining me this week. As always, I've got Mr. Ben Price on the line. How are you, Ben? Not bad, mate. How's it going? Yes, not too bad. Thank you. Not too bad. We've got a view from the Ninian debut tonight as well. We've got John Donovan joining us. Good evening, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No worries. How's it going, John? It's, uh, it's it's good. Uh, I've I've literally just come off the five-a-side uh, pitch, so thankfully you haven't got smell-o-vision or anything because uh, I'm not in great shape at the moment. But uh, thank you for having me on. No worries. Well, you know, if you're impressing on the five-a-side pitch, you could get a run-out because it's not... Uh, people aren't impressing so far this season, are they? So, you know, there's every every chance of a starting lineup in Warnock's side this season. And, you know, we'll, we'll reflect, obviously, on Luton uh, in midweek in, in due course, and we'll look forward to the Fulham game as well. But we'll start with Blackburn last weekend. A nil-nil away draw. John, it was the first point of the season. For you, a good point, or should we have been wanting more? For me, and, you know, guys, you know, I've, I've got to be a, a, a little bit careful because I, I rep the, represent the club uh, to a degree being uh, in the privileged position of doing commentary on the uh, uh, the stream. Um, but obviously, I, you know, I, I try and give my honest views. I, I always try and see glass half full. And, and for me, if you if you took that point in isolation, I think it's it's a good point. Uh, I think many teams will go to Blackburn this year and, and struggle. I think I said on commentary on the day that maybe there would be a view of ne- negativity because what had preceded it with the, the, the two away defeats uh, and everyone wanted to bounce back with a win. But to be honest, for me, uh, if you take the game in isolation, a, a clean sheet, I thought the the shape was good. Uh, we defended well as a team. Yes, again, we didn't have a great cutting edge. Um, but to stop the rot, I, I thought it was a decent away performance. And for you, Ben, do you agree? I mean, you look back at a championship season at whole, but definitely our promotion season and and some of those away points are so vital aren't they so when you look at it like that like John said it is a good point yeah I think in isolation it is a good point but you couple it up with a couple of the other results that we've had recently and it's sort of that sort of where people are getting a bit grumbly of saying oh we should be looking to get that and I can see their point of view if we're looking to hit that top two target we should be beating a side like that but given the form we're in and sort of how it's going I think it's not a bad point. It's not a great point, but it's not a bad point. And John, Ben touched there about maybe the expectations. And, and does that come with, with part of being a relegated team from the Premier League? You know, a good squad, although we lost a few players, still a good squad for this this level. And expectations may, may have changed slightly. And Cardiff fans, some of them are maybe expecting to walk the league or, or you know, go straight into promotion contention. I said a good point, but does that come with that change? You think of being a relegated side and managing expectations? Uh, yeah, expectations are high. Um, you know, we we, we are a, a team that, that got promoted, and obviously we were in the Premiership last year. But the year we got promoted, I think it's fair to say we punched above our weight and and 
you know, to a certain degree got up on, of course, uh, you know, a little bit of skill, but a lot of character as well. So we're never going to be a team that plays people off the off the park. And uh, a lot of it is going to be based on 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 work rate and, and just grinding out points like the point at Blackburn. We're also bedding a lot of new players in, you know, a new centre half combination. We haven't quite got the centre midfield combination sorted uh quite yet we've obviously got uh, uh some new strikers as well so we, we, we're doing this a bit off the cuff at the moment bedding people in so yeah it's 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 a little difficult it's been a stuttering start to the season but i, I fully expect after the international break uh that we'll come back a little bit more settled and ben we'll come on to maybe going forward and, and some of the goal scoring problems that that cardiff have had but this was the first clean sheet of of the season and you know that's a statement of, of Warnock's side, isn't it? A clean sheet, defensively solid, and we've maybe not seen that uh, so far this this season. But first clean sheet of the season, that was really pleasing. Yeah, I think that's really important. It sort of gets the pressure off Smithies, gets the pressure off the back four, really, to get that first clean sheet. Um, we've been conceding some really uncharacteristic goals for us, sort of goals that last year or the year before we were never conceding. And it's just... Um, I don't know if the like you said the partnership two centre backs coming in and playing together for the first time is an issue, but I also think it's a case of need for them are particularly mobile when it comes to someone getting behind them, and I think that's sort of why the goals have been caught uh, some of the problems with the goals before. But I think the pressure of getting that first clean sheet is really going to take it off and sort of hopefully give us something to build on. I know um, we get when we get to Luton, it sort of all went downhill a bit from there, <laughs> but and. Again, not exactly a nice game to uh, build on with Fulham coming to the stadium. But yeah, I think it's it's uh, a good building block to start with. And John, do you think, you know, Ben said there about the new partnership and you talked about new players bedding in. Do you think that's been the main problem defensively this season rather than a change in, in how the team are, are operating or tactically? It's more those new partnerships. Obviously, they're playing with a new goalkeeper behind them. And, and I agree with what Ben said there, that, that Flint and Morrison aren't the most mobile. But Etheridge yeah. is always really good off his line and, and quick off his line. So he would have yes. comp, you know compensated for that. Smithies maybe isn't as quick. So that's a factor as well, isn't it? It is. But look, guy, I, you know, having seen the games this year, I don't think we've defended well. And I, I agree with, with Ben that I don't think... Or I think rather we've conceded goals that are, are uncharacteristic goals for Cardiff to concede. I actually don't think the the the, the back four, whatever it's been in, in in any makeup, has been particularly terrible in any game. I think you know to use an American phrase, a lot of the team defense has been pretty you know appalling. You look at that Reading game. Uh, a couple of those goals could have been stopped very uh, much earlier or, or higher up the pitch, uh, particularly the first goal from our own free kick. Um, and, I, and I think that's been the case in a, in a few of the things that, that, that we've uh, conceded uh, this year. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I don't think it's any secret that, that Aidan Flint and Sean Morrison, great defenders at this level, but probably a little slow in the turn. And so balls into the channel are going to cause them a few problems. I think it's better since... The opening day of the season when Morrison played on the left side and, and Flint on the right, they've now switched over. I thought Sean, Sean Morrison looked very uncomfortable playing on his left side at Wigan. He's, yeah, he's always I struggled think on that side. Since then. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was a, a subtle but but good adjustment. Um, 
but but I look at it, it's 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 got to be a team thing. You 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 start from the front, and particularly the midfield players, and and the two guys defensively, I thought who who did well at Blackburn were the wingers, who really um, came narrow when they had to and supported their fullbacks when they had to. So it was nice to see the the team defending better as a whole. Yeah, absolutely, and like we said, that that's a big part of of Warnock's side, isn't it? You know, um, the team defending as a whole and. And you said again against Reading that the team haven't been defending very well. And you know Bennett got a little bit of stick, but you know when you go forward, you need your midfielders to cover you, and we're just not completely, you know, functioning as that. And, and we're not functioning as much going forward either. Um, obviously, a nil-nil draw, no no goals. That's you know a couple of games where we fail to score now. And I thought it's quite an interesting um, statistic I saw on on Twitter uh, looking at kind of XG which is which is expected goals and and XGA which is expected goals against um I'm a bit of a, a stats nerd so so it means a lot to me but for those who maybe don't don't pay that much attention to it or, or don't really know what it is it's basically rating the the quality of chances um created both you know for you in an attacking sense and and against you uh, in a defensive sense and and Cardiff going forwards rank really really well you know only leads are, are higher leads are a complete anomaly there you know per game their xg is is 11.5 goals which is just ridiculous but <laughs> cardiff are kind of looking in the in the 8.5 which is the second highest which shows that we're really creating chances and you look at that the stats from the the blackburn game ben and you know 14 shots on goal uh, only four on target but we're creating those we're getting in the positions but it's just not functioning completely well is it yeah, I think the key thing you said there was the four on target. Um, I guess, and I think most of those four from out will be from outside the box. Um, it's sort of getting into the box has been where you've struggled, and I think it's just a case of the strikers that snatched it. Glatzel, nine to, I'd imagine after he's got one goal, would have put some of the chances he's had all throughout the season away. It's just been a case of nerves trying to get that first goal is sort of getting the best of him there's a lot of pressure on him he's played a lot of football in a short space of time uh, like Warnock said in the press conference um, it's just a case of being more clinical and possibly just focusing a bit more I, I've got no doubt they're working hard on the finishing and training they're wanting to score the goals it's just that I think there's a bit of a psychological thing of building up at the moment of just oh we're not scoring enough we're creating the chance but we're not scoring enough and yeah it's just that's the frustrating bit is the stats say we're creating the chances. I don't think we've created too many clear-cut chances, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. We've sort of looked and gone, go on, you're through. It's sort of been, I think, if you took out um, Tomlin's shots uh, for the last game at home, I think you, you, the rate drops massively just for how many shots he was having from outside the box. Um, the clear-cut chances and getting through and sort of that link between the midfield and the strikers is the issue. It's not the strikers fault this is happening um i think the service them had uh to, especially to glatzel has been not spectacular they're still not quite the link up and interaction between the wingers and glatzel i think he's getting there i think him and murphy are slowly forming an understanding and if murphy can sort of get that final ball sorted i think glatzel could be in for a field day and so could murphy to be honest it's just a bit of more understanding like we said it's a new striker it's a new partnerships forming it's going to take some time but it's uh, frustrating to see when you're getting battered and sort of nothing's coming from the shots from outside the box. Would you agree with that, Joe? I mean, you know, there's only so much, even for someone who considers themselves a bit of a stat nerd like myself, that you can read into into these stats if they're not translating to goals. And would you agree with Ben's assessment there that 
a lot of these shots are coming from outside the box and we're maybe not doing enough to bring Latson into play. Uh, yeah, I you know I, I can't disagree with um, with with anything that that Ben has said there. Um, I think I've seen enough that there's there's potential, and I think Ben really nailed a, a combination on the the head there, which I think has got. Uh, a lot of potential is is Murphy and Glatzel. I think they they've linked. I, I think Josh Murphy is someone who can get ten goals in this division this year. If, if we get Mendes Lang fit again, I'd like to think he could get somewhere near that. So I'm I, I'm not a stats guy, and I apologise for it. I'm I'm a bit more of that, uh, you know, just a, a gut feeling on some. And I think if we, if Glatzel does get one, I agree with that. I think he'll go on. I think Murphy, if he gets one, will will go on. I'm I'm a hugely Tomlin fan. If we can keep him fit and if he can do the defensive side of the game in the system, uh, hopefully he's going to chip in with goals and certainly create goals. So, you know, I I can't and I say I, I represent the club a little bit. I can't come on here and say it hasn't been a stuttering start to the season. It, it, it has, but I've seen enough that I think um, that when everything beds in, I think we we, we will be okay. I, I do think that we're looking to go back to front a little too much too quickly. And particularly with Tomlin in the side now, we can go to feet in midfield and look to, to build the play. I think we can have more of a variation. Um, but again, maybe that's just work on the training ground and, and we're still early in the season. So I'd like to see more variation in, in how we play. Um, I, I don't, you know, always agree with the criticism that that we're route one or what have you I, yeah we do we do look to get the ball early into wide areas and dangerous areas and i think that's effective but i think you've got to have other strings to your bow as well uh, and if we can keep tomlin in the team and i i really hope from a well just a fan point of view we do i think we can vary that game because him and rules can can go short and we can just have a kind of a different arsenal it's, it's not always quick balls over the top to run onto. Do you yeah. think some of the players have bought into the whole oh, we're, we're, we're a Route 1 team a bit too much? Because I think we've been far more direct early on this season than we were the promotion season, for instance. I think we we got the ball down a lot more. I think the Villa game stands out for that of a game of, while it was still get it out wide, get it up top quickly, the ball was getting passed around. Say Man United for the end of last season was another example. I know it was a slightly different team, but I think... Some of the players sort of think, I don't know if this is a game plan is actually being told, but it seems to be a bit of just, they're looking for the quick ball up top too much when sometimes there's better options. Not necessary to pass it on the back, but to still get it forward. And I think they're still thinking in their heads, right, we, we've got to hoof this up and get it right up top quickly. Does anyone else think that? Yeah, I agree to an yeah. extent. I think we're we're always going to be a, a direct team but that doesn't always mean long ball if that makes sense and I think yes. early on this season we've seen quite a lot of long balls particularly I remember doing the analysis of the Huddersfield game and you know almost all of the passes to, to Glatzel were from deep inside our own half and you know Smithies and Morrison I think were the, the biggest the highest combinations to him um, I don't know what that is I don't know if it's you know a couple of key players in midfield who like you know Gunnarsson quite liked to receive the ball turn and maybe spread out to the wings. You know, Camarasa was obviously always offering. Arthur didn't mind. And, and, and Sol Bamba obviously liked to bring the ball out as well. So Beckham Bamba. Beckham Bamba, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's been an effect or, or if it is It is tactically. But, but I mean, yeah, I, I'd agree with that assessment. 
Yeah, I, will. I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with this phrase that's always banded around the, the, the premiership hangover. But I think this might be an element of just adapting to the championship again. We, we actually have players. We, we, we're not the, the, the best um, kind of team in the league. Uh, and a lot of this will have to be done on character. But we can we do have players who can play football. And I, I'm a I'm a big Joe Rawls fan. Uh, I think he's a, a, a very, very good footballer. But I wonder whether this element is a little bit of the premiership hangover that, you know, we, we didn't want to be caught in possession. We, 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 we knew we could get hurt. And, and so we were looking to turn defensives very quickly. We only really had one option last year. I think we, we need to almost trust ourselves a little bit more this season that we can, if we want to, dominate teams. The pack injury is is huge. It's yeah, it, yeah. He, he, you know, he was the the pivot you could see in that first game that was going to give us the the foundation, the basis uh, for hopefully everything else to fall into place. The sooner he is back, I, I think you'll see a different Cardiff City team. But I, I think the the guys just need to settle down and realize, almost give themselves a bit more credit that they they can dominate these teams a little bit more we have good footballers and yeah i i think in the first month of the season for me i I, i'd agree that we've got look to gone uh, look to go back to front a little too often a little too quickly yeah i definitely agree on on the pack assessment and there's a bit of an injury update today from from glenn williams of of wales online who says that the pack is optimistic that he'll be return well ahead of schedule as early as three weeks time so that could be a huge a huge boost uh, that worries can... me more. See, when he, players say, oh, yeah, "I'm fit, I'll come, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ahead of schedule," yeah, it you, always ends two weeks in. It, though, re-injured. Pack, has, pack, you know, he's, he's missed barely any minutes in the last like 300 yeah. games for Bristol City, and then <laughs> was it one and a half games for us, and he and yes. he's out for 110 for... minutes of football played for yeah. Cardiff City, and he's out for two months. Couldn't couldn't write it, but uh, before we move on to um, Luton and, and on that. Uh, kind of long ball direct football kind of uh, label that Warnock gets uh, labelled with. Just one thing that made me made me laugh on, on Twitter today was seeing that Sam Allardyce has come out in defence of Warnock's football and saying that those two get branded with the same brush but they're affected teams and I thought that that's not the person you want defending you, yeah. is it? <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, if he's, your, if he's your moral compass, it's sort of like that Mitchell and Webb sketch, isn't it, of hands are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll yeah. leave we'll leave it on that one. We'll in part two we're going to chat that three 0 home loss to Luton Town in the Carabao Cup. <laughs> we spoke about the first clean sheet of the season and the boost that that. Brought. And then in midweek, Cardiff went and conceded three goals for the third time in six games. And Ben, what's your assessment of this? The 3-0 loss to Luton, of course, in the Carabao Cup at home. What went wrong? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was just all the worst parts of the season sort of came out again, I think. Every sort of mistake that we've made throughout the season has sort of reared its ugly head. And in a couple of plays, you wouldn't sort of expect from it as well. I think Hoyler, for the first goal... Just, I don't know what, I don't know if you saw his nan in the stand or just, he just got lost, just got completely lost and sort of just got caught out and obviously scores the own goal. I don't think there was anything he could have done about the deflection, but he was caught sleeping, wasn't he? Yeah, Yeah. it's the bit before it's the issue of him just sort of just, I don't know, just switching out of the game for just a couple of seconds. It was just mental. It's not something you sort of expect from a Warnock site. Again, it's just 
these mistakes that we normally don't make. It's switching off. It's not having that fight and sort of but when we've gone a goal down before, even possibly not so much in the cup game, but when we've gone down a goal before, you sort of think, oh, we've got the fight, we'll come back, we'll come back. Um, against Luton, we went one down and I instantly went, well, that's it, we're not going to win. Um, not, I'm not normally a defeated sort of person. It's sort of one of those ones where it's sort of, the goal went in, I just knew what was coming. You could just, I just had this feeling that it was only going to go one way from here on out. Is it John? What's your assessment of the game? It was, you know, I, I, I sat in in Neil Warnock's press conference afterwards, and I, I didn't disagree with him when he said whoever got the first goal w- w- was likely to go on and, and dominate that game, particularly if Luton got it because they're such a great possession-based um, side. Just just on the Hoyler issue of the first goal, I think what happened, if 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 my memory serves me correctly, Omar Bogle had a a, a chance, and and Hoyler had actually made a a run off him into the box and I think if Bogle had, had given it wide Hoyler you know had a clear sight of goal and I think there was a little bit of frustration there and 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 that's where the switch off happened for a few moments and I don't think Junior ever got himself quite back into the play and and I, that is surprising for him because I think he's he's probably the best defensive wide player at the club but uh, he, we never quite got our, our our shape back again we conceded three goals I'm I'm going to give the back four a little bit of uh, of slack on this one. Yeah, the third goal, I thought uh, Kieran Brown got caught with a man running inside on the shoulder and, and, and didn't react well and we got caught square. But I thought he did all right in an unfamiliar position. I thought Flint was good as a leader. You know, Nelson won some balls in the air and I wasn't unhappy with how he played. And, and probably the whole plus point of the evening for me was was Cameron Cox. I You know, I, I worried and I think all fans worried, you know, do we have depth in, in the right back position? Lee Peltier's yeah. great, but but but, you know, can be susceptible to injury so I, I really like the way that, that Cameron Cox played and I think he, he certainly is now a, a, a viable option yeah absolutely and I, I agree with that assessment in the sense that, that there were some standout um, or, or pleasing performances in defense like I said Cox was was the massive plus and we obviously heard a lot of promise about him and you know this whole Man City were chasing him and Pep Guardiola was impressed so there was you know a desire from a lot of fans to to see him given a chance in the first team, maybe without ever really seeing him play for the for the young sides, but you know certainly impressed. Certainly showed that he can step up Ben and and can be that viable option as a as a cover for Lee Peltier, who John said is is susceptible to injury. Yeah, it's the way Peltier plays. He's sort of in a similar way that Gunnison towards the end was sort of always prone to injury. It's because he's the way he plays. He's so full bodied. He's just throws himself into it. Peltier's going to pick up knocks. And he's also going to pick up suspensions. He's not shy of a yellow card. Um, and for Cox to come and step in there, I think would be a good thing. Um, I don't know if he's ready full-time. Some people sort of talk about him looking to take Tomlin, uh, Tomlin sorry, Peltier's place full-time in the next year or so. But I don't think he's quite ready for that. He needs a lot more first-team football uh, before he's there. But he's definitely an exciting prospect. But Kieran Brown is one that actually I think fans are not given the credit he deserves. I think people see him playing out on the left and think he's a left-back. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's a centre-back that's being pushed yeah. out there just as cover. I think he, um, it was uh, Livingston he was on loan at last year, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. They, they were happy with him. They really liked him. And I think pre-season from what I saw of him, he impressed me as well. I think he might be the one that goes on to surprise people even more than Cox does, to be honest. I'm a big fan of his. And what, yeah, I, I agree. And what really 
surprised me. I think I saw a picture or maybe a clip of him. He's a really big guy, isn't he? He's, he's obviously quite tall, but and I was going to say a lump, but he's not a lump because obviously he's a very fit footballer, but a really <laughs> strong, almost a, a bit of a brute that, you know, classic Neil Warnock centre-half in many ways. So, you know, even that adjustment to, to playing left-back is, I suppose, as close to, to Bruno Manga going out to right-back, John. It, it, it's, it's a hard switch, you know. I play Sunday league level and, you know, I've played centre-back and, and, and full-back hangover football and it's very different as a centre-half. You're just looking really what's on your, your outside shoulder for, and then when you switch to full-back, you're looking for people making inside runs on you. So it's, it is a different mentality, how you shape up, how you defend, you know, what, what your starting position is. And I thought he, I'd agree, I thought he did really well for the majority of the game and that's why the third goal did stick out like a sore thumb because it was maybe the the first time that he'd uh, just really sort of stayed square and allowed somebody to come from his outside to the inside and he hadn't tracked the run so i'm for me the game was lost at that stage and i'm I'm prepared to let a a young man off a a mistake there um i i i I was thoroughly impressed with 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 both of the uh, the youngsters and the, the the people that came on um james way i'm a huge fan of I, I i know he's got to put on some some muscle mass but i like the way he demands the ball i like the way he wants to spray possession of the ball and 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 he'll go into to clever areas between midfield and and, and defense so cardiff have been criticized for not bringing players uh through and i think that's a fair criticism but if you could take a positive from from tuesday night it was all of a sudden you saw some youngsters who have some potential and and maybe not immediately but but going forward could be knocking on the first team door yeah absolutely and but like john says being maybe a criticism of of a lack of young players coming through and you know ben maybe that's that's reflected in Callum patterson winning young player of the year but but maybe look like one of the older <laughs> older players the oldest the looking young player of the year of all time <laughs> but you know it's really pleasing to see isn't it and you know my kind of when I first started going down Cardiff as as a young lad and through you know my teenage years, there was always some really good players coming through, local players from the likes of you know James Collins and and Ernie people of like that through to Ledley, Ramsey, Gunter. We've not had that in a while, you know. The the hope has kind of been Mark Harris, who's got done well on loan, but maybe doesn't look yeah. ready for this level. So it's great to see some more players coming through. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you look at the players that get, was it one two three four on the bench two starting the six players and the i know it's the carabao cup it's not a big priority but it's it's um step up from what it was a couple of years ago where it was more just the fringe players making it than the youth team i think the club has definitely looked at the youth setup and said look this needs addressing because we're not making we're missing realistically we're missing out on a good revenue stream as well it's not just yeah. a case of bringing players through yeah, the club are missing out. You look at what Swansea made thirty-five million in the last couple of years from their youngsters, and just their development of their youth program. It's something that could really sustain the club and bring the club on. Um, it's massively important these days that clubs bring their youth players through, and I think the club lost its way probably since during the Dave Jones time. I know we had a few come through there, but they were developed before then. I think it's been a long time coming. This sort of restructure of the youth academy and bringing that sort of ethos through and I think we're starting to reap the rewards now I think they'll be the first of a few I know uh, I spoke with Danny Gabadon uh, a works thing a few months ago and he was saying there are some young players that he knows of that maybe I don't know if they're in the under 21s but in the, more in the under 18s there is some real yeah. talent in there 
that's going to really, really excite fans over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the under-18s did, did particularly well last year, I think, didn't they? So it'd be good to see some of them coming through. And, and John, we mentioned Patterson, the, the, the young player of the year that yeah. doesn't quite look that young. Uh, played in a midfield too with, with Will Vokes. And what was your opinion on that partnership? For me, I, I think Patterson's better better in a more advanced midfield position. I, I would agree. I'm 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 a huge Callum Patterson fan. It's it's almost a bit of a conundrum at the moment because I um, myself and Ashley James who who commentate we have this discussion uh, kind of every week. We we both think Callum Patterson is is an impact player, a person who can influence the game. So he needs to be in the team, but it's a little bit of a conundrum at the moment as to where, where he, he plays. Yeah, particularly you know if if Tomlin's renaissance continues in that number 10 position but whether you could even look at tomlin playing the 10 role at home and and patterson plays it away from home because he can play the physical game and also help out defensively a bit more i don't know can he play on the right side i i i thought he looked a little uncomfortable on on tuesday because he's a guy who wants to attack the ball wherever it is and and i think in central midfield particularly as as a holding two it's not about that it's about having your head on a swivel a little bit and looking what's around you and, and tracking runs and that sort of thing so the effort was there and and you'll always get that from callum patterson and as i say I, i'm a huge fan of his and he needs to be in the team somewhere um i'm just not quite sure you know how how you get the balance at the moment but no i i thought if if there was an area well clearly there was an area of weakness because we lost three nil but if, if there was a main area of concern on tuesday i yeah i did think we 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 looked a little flat in central midfield and i thought we got overrun quite easily by a, a very good Luton side who, who could rotate possession and, and positions with that diamond. So, no, for me, it was it was a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. It's I... a discussion we had, was it last week or the week before, actually saying that this is the time for Patterson to sort of pick a position and learn how to play it. You sort of, you, you've obviously seen the games most weeks. Where do you see him as his best player? His best player, best position, sorry. I I do like him as a as a number ten or, or or as an advanced midfielder because I think his timing of runs into the box is good, arriving a little bit later than everyone else. I think he provides secondary support to the the striker. Uh, I think that that second half of the season, the promotion season, you know, he was on fire really. And I remember the game away at Brentford, he scored a great goal and a number of others. Um, he's really good <laughs> arriving in the box, isn't he? Arriving oh, at a good he's, time. He's, Fantastic. But the problem is right now, I'm a huge Lee Tomlin fan and I think Lee Tomlin provides something different to Cardiff City. We mentioned, you know, a little earlier that Cardiff need to vary their play perhaps a little bit more. I think Tomlin gives that option. So it's 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 a hard one. I, I think I would like to see him play as a number 10 or attacking midfielder. Again, maybe he can do the away from home games. Also, away from home, if we need to play a little bit more narrow, he could probably play on, on the right of a midfield and you still get him uh, arriving in the box. So those those are the two positions I'd look at him for, uh, a, a number 10 or a, not a right winger, but a, a right midfielder. And Ben, there's a few murmurs on Twitter and social media, should we say, about Cardiff or, or Warnock maybe not taking the cup seriously you know it's been a while since we've had a good cup run and you know we seem to go out at this stage at, in a game that we probably should win most seasons what's your view on that do you agree or do you think it's just a case of we need to prioritize the league um I think it's a bit of both really um you look at the squad it's nine cha- nine changes I think that's that's not a sign that he's to prioritize us all it's 
he's not bothered. You could tell by the post post match reaction, he's disappointed to concede the goals, but he's not disappointed to be out of the cup. Yeah, it's um, one of those where I think the Carabao Cup's issue is there's so many rounds that you only really start caring when he gets to the quarterfinals. When Wembley's in touch and distance, or, and that finals in touch and distance, then you start to care. But before then, it's still a case of right up until just before the quarterfinals, teams are still putting in their youth players, still not taking it seriously. You've got Premier League sides against each other. It may as well be an it may as well be a development game. Yeah. And it's a mentality not just from Warnock. I think it's from all clubs. They treat this as sometimes as a bit of an inconvenience more than an opportunity to blood young players. Yeah. But that doesn't mean to say that the performance itself was not a worry. Yeah, I um, guess. I you guess look at people... you look at what we've got. Sorry, sorry mate. You look at what we've got as a team that's come down from the Premier League. Even our second team, if you want to call it that should not be getting beaten 3-0 by a team that's been promoted from League One. I get Luton are a good side, but they made a, they brought in a fair few changes themselves. And that's where the issue is of on where fans, I think, are getting a bit concerned that we got done 3-0 by a team that's going from League One and Warnock sort of brushed it off a little bit. And I can understand why he doesn't want to criticise the players and sort of get on in this early in the season. But... I think it, when fans you see that sort of performance, I think fans are entitled to ask a couple of questions. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And John, you know, Ben spoke about the the mass changes there. I think it was eight or nine. And so, do you think the reaction on social media of you know there were some people calling for Warnock's head, which quite frankly I think is is outrageous. Um, is it a disaster, or you know, can we just overlook it because you know we had got that first clean sheet against Blackburn? this is a completely different defence. So, you know, there's no correlation between that game and this game. What? How do you think we judge it? I, I, it it's kind of a halfway house, and I, I do agree with Ben on it. First of all, I should say I'm, I'm, I'm a Warnock loyalist, not just because we got promoted and, and some of the football isn't always pretty, but just more for what he's done as the club as a whole. Um, so I, I, I do think that, Yes, I, you know, I'm a fan. Everyone's a fan, and, and we voice opinions, and, and sometimes we're a bit dissatisfied. But I, I will kind of say that I am a, a Warnock loyalist, and, and and I think he'll, he deserves to leave the club when he wants to leave the club. Uh, so I think those calls were a little premature and a little, uh, um, I wouldn't say silly, because everyone's entitled to their opinion. But uh, uh, you know, I think we need to remember what what what, what he has done um, in terms of the, the actual competition. I, I just. I, I hate to lose any game, and I'm sure if you're a, a professional footballer or a competitive person, I'm sure that that uh, Neil Warnock and the team hated to to lose that game. I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit more philosophical. I see this as a wider problem as a whole, and kind of endemic of how footballers as really kind of reduced both the FA Cup and the League Cup. You know, when I was growing up. FA Cup Saturday or, or FA Cup final grandstand and that sort of thing was was the biggest event of the the calendar and, and the League Cup was was right up there with it and obviously we had a great time in the League Cup final a, a few years ago I, I'd like to see you know a, a change at a kind of national level to give these competitions their their value back certainly the the FA Cup I'd yeah. love that fourth place Champions League spot and I don't know if this is even possible but for a team to finish fourth to get possibly in the Champions League, give that to the FA Cup and, and start making the FA Cup meaningful again. And then then you wouldn't always have these reserve teams playing. So 
I'm 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 a fan. I'm I'm a competitive guy who wants to win every game. So I went away on Tuesday night disappointed. But in the grand scheme of things, I think this is just kind of systematic of how the cup competitions have have been devalued across the board, really. And I'm 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 really sad about that. Yeah, I'm absolutely spot on there, there, John. And and we'll take another quick break now. And, and after the break, we'll be hearing from Matt from Full and Focus, who will be providing the opposition view ahead of tomorrow night's game. Well, ahead of tomorrow night's clash against fellow relegated side uh, Fulham, we are getting the opposition view from Matt Rees from Fulham Focus. Hi, Matt. Hi there. Thanks very much for having me on. No worries. Thanks for joining us. Matt, first of all, you know, similar similar situation to us being relegated from the Premier League. But there's slightly contrasting styles in the Premier League in terms of transfers and Fulham, you know, spent big, some, some big names. Has that changed or, or affected, I suppose, the, the expectations and the need to go straight back, back up this season? Um, I suppose there is that to an extent because you sort of saw that reflected in the way we dealt, uh, we dealt with the, this summer's transfer window. You know, we didn't go out and spend massively like we did last season because we sort of found out, hang on, all this spending the money, it might not be that it might not be the solution you're looking for. That's why we got a lot of players in on loan. That's why we got Matt Arta uh, in on a free transfer. That's why we've been sort of and why we didn't really address the defence because we figured, you know, our championship defence was okay last time round, but it's the you know it's the attacking options that really need the really need addressing, particularly with the likes of. Sessegnon uh, leaving, so we focused on that area, but we decided to go, you know, a lot more financially uh, viable this time. Certainly, and you've talked about the that kind of transfer deals. How would you rate that overall? A lot of loans, but some, you know, some some big names in Anthony Knockhart, even Cavaliero, and and obviously two two people that Cardiff fans know well in Harry Arter and Bobby Reed. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was when the transfer window slammed shut. I was slightly disappointed that we didn't uh, give a uh, properly address the defence, given how bad it was. It, how bad it was in the Premier League. I figured, you know, if we've conceded that many goals in the Premier League, surely we've got to do something. But as the season's gone on, I figured, yeah, we might just be able to get away with it if we sp- if we score more than the opposition. So overall, I'd give it somewhere between somewhere between a seven and an eight. Uh, Certainly not. Certainly not perfect. I would have preferred us to get in a dominant, a dominant central half to go alongside um, former Jack Alfie Mawson. But other than that, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty okay, but nothing spectacular. And how has uh, Harry Arthur's obviously played played most of your games so far? And Bobby Reid hasn't, you know, only come off the bench really. But how has Arthur settled? What what are Fulham fans thinking of him? Yeah, Arthur settled in a little bit better, I think, because his position was was more needed than Bobby Reed's was. You know, Bobby Reed's more of a, a striker slash attacking midfielder. We already had one of them in, you know, either Mitrovic as the centre forward or Tom Kearney as the attacking midfielder. Whereas in terms of defensive midfielder, we were we were sort of struggling with that. So he's got a lot more game time, and as a as a result, he's sort of bedded in naturally and, and fantastically into into the team there there are some aspects of his game that you know certainly could could do with improving I wasn't happy with the way that he dealt with Lewis Graben when he scored the second goal uh the Nottingham, Nottingham Forest second goal on the weekend but other than that you know no no complaints thus far you can't really make any major complaints considering we paid nothing for him 
Uh, so we, and start the season, obviously, it's five games in. Uh, it's been a kind of tale of two sides in some ways, you know, losing to Forest, losing to Barnsley, but, you know, solid wins against Blackburn and Huddersfield and really dispatching of, of Millwall. How do you rate it so far? Um, I'm sort of willing to put aside the losses to uh, to some extent because Barnsley, I think that can just be a bit of a you know, the shock factor of coming back to the championship. Barnsley had just come up from League One, so obviously there was a lot more a decent atmosphere at Oakwell that day because it was like, right, we're back in with the big boys. So yeah. you could probably put that to one side. Nottingham Forest, I think, are a very good side this year. So no shame in losing to them. I think they're a side that can really be challenging for the top six and even the automatic uh, spots if they can sort some if they can sort some of their defensive issues out. Um, so the losses I'm not overly concerned about, and then the wins, you know, they've just been more or less routine. I was sort of shocked with the manner that we dispatched Millwalling because you know I was expecting a win, but not quite that emphatically. But yeah, as you said, it's a bit of an up and down uh, start to the season, but it's it's after five games, it's it's a it's a good building platform to, to push on with uh, later on in the season. And I don't know uh, what Fulham fans' perception of, of Cardiff is, but certainly a lot of Cardiff fans have a, a certain dislike for Fulham since the the, uh, the promotion season for both sides. It's kind of developed into a little bit of a modern rivalry for us anyway. How do Fulham fans view the game? Yeah, there's a. I always thought that was a whole. I always thought that was a whole lot of nonsense. I've I've never I never had an issue with you know Neil Warnock's style of football and the physical type of football in general. Going back to Tony Pulis, Stoke, and Sam Allardyce's Bolton. So I never had an issue with. But the, it did come across as some sort of snobbery from Fulham fans. You know, oh, we're playing this lovely yeah. ticky tack of football. You're playing. I, I can't remember if it was Slavisi Kanovic or Tony or Rashid Khan, the owner, said it was 19th century football. I, ne- I never I never sort of understood where I came from. So we started think, you know, snobbish towards you. You then sort of resented us because of, you know, you were, we were looking down on you to some extent. Then you got promoted. It, it sort of kept snowballing from there. And then when the results against, against you... Um, at the Cardiff City Stadium last year, the 4-2, was a sort of humbling to some extent. And then you've sort of carried it on a bit by mocking us about the whole spending 100 million and you know we got relegated a couple of weeks before you it's gathered into something but really it started over nothing a lot of Fulham fans do still hold that resentment and this whole you know grudging for the style of football that that you play but me personally I've no I've never had an issue with it so so I can't speak for all Fulham fans but I'd just like to say on my behalf I'd like to apologize for because we really started this off and we really shouldn't have <laughs> it has just been born like you said just out of two complete contrasting styles which is you know a, a bit silly really like you said but it's just snowballed from there yeah absolutely and hopefully hopefully it comes to an end at some stage I mean in an ideal world well not an ideal world because I know how much you guys love Neil Warnock but maybe <laughs> you guys when Neil Warnock leaves as he's sort of meant to do at the end of at the end of the season you get a more attractive uh, football manager coming in then we can ah they play nice football now we can like <laughs> them again that's probably how that's probably the only way this is, this is ever going to get resolved the tables could turn we could get someone nice and you could get Sam Allardyce in if, if exactly. Parker doesn't do well Exactly, you never know. Exactly. <laughs> and it's obviously been added to a bit with uh, the Bobby Reid situation as well, and Cardiff fans were particularly upset with some of his comments when he was unveiled as a, a Fulham player and, and showed slight disrespect. So it's likely to be quite fiery on, on, on uh, tomorrow's game, I think. 
Um, what, what's your? How do you see the game going? I was on the the Fulhamish podcast last night, and and you know, the the three lads there all were pretty confident of a, a Fulham win. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I'm pretty confident. I probably shouldn't be saying this because I'm a, a guest on your fabulous show. <laughs> but um, given given our respective starts of the season, I'm quite fascinated to know how you guys are going to bounce back from the Luton result, whether or not that's going to be something to inspire. You know, say what the hell was that? Let's sort this. Let's sort this mess out. Yeah. Or if it's going to be a continuation. Oh God, we really are that bad. I'm more fascinated to see how you guys uh, bounce back. Uh, bounce back from that so it should be a good game i'm i'm confident of a win i can see yeah i can see just because of again contrasting styles i can see cardiff getting one goal it's then just a case of how many goals we're able to get against you against what is a you know at times can be a very stubborn Cardiff defense so i'm going for either 2-1 or a 3-1 full and victory personally and that finally for you to go, who are the who are the danger men that cardiff should be looking out for you know the obvious ones are perhaps kearney and mitrovic yeah, they're they're the obvious ones. Um, I suppose really the only apart apart from the obvious one would be um, hmm, trying to think of the uh, probably would be would probably be Harry Art. No, not Harry Art. Harry Art. Harry Arter. Sorry, I deal with a Matt Arter on the uh, Fun Folks <laughs> podcast, so it's got to erase his brain for his name from my brain. Yeah, Harry Arter. Rather, obviously being an ex Cardiff player, he'll want to be up for the game, and he's definitely someone that as I said on the Full and Focus podcast last night, can sort of, again, this is going to come across as sorry, but go down to Cardiff's level in regards to being physical and getting nitty-gritty yeah. and get down to that level. So he can sort of be an equaliser to some extent to you know, to Cardiff's uh, physical play. So I'm going to say Harry Arter, you know, as the non-obvious name to look out for. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what reaction Arter has because he, he, was, he was a bit of a favourite here last year, dipped off towards the end of the season and then, and then quite a few... Um, Cardiff fans were particularly upset that he he didn't turn up or didn't go to our kind of end of season do and then our final game of the season he was at Craven Cottage instead of watching watching us so be interested to see if the fans turn on him and uh, what reaction he gets but Matt listen thank you very much for joining us uh, good luck for the rest of the season hopefully uh, you don't enjoy tomorrow too much and uh, we'll chat to you soon no worries thanks very much for having me best of luck for the rest of the season for you as well do that cheers We're going to finish the pod this week, and we're going to do this every week, so make sure you get our questions in on Twitter uh, with some listener questions. So, John, I'm going to start with you first, because we've got one specifically for you. This is from Ben James, uh, and he asks, for those quickly who don't know John as well as doing the commentary for for the City, also does work for the Devils. Uh, And Ben has asked, which Cardiff Devils player could bring a little bit of class to the Cardiff side? He reckons Fernier could bring a little magic to the midfield. (laughs) <laughs> uh okay yeah so I, I i guess a lot of people won't have seen the devils but the devils have done well the the last few years uh fournier is a is a great player he's a defender who who makes things happen uh, going forward but um i'll keep this one short i'll say joey martin who's kind of i've talked about someone who's able to to dictate the game at, at his pace and do all the little things right and, and and play well defensively, score goals. He's he's a little bit of everything. So uh, if there's any Devils fans uh, listening who are also Cardiff City fans, I think we'd all take uh, Joey Martin as whatever the, the football equivalent is. Perfect. We had a question from James Weber about the impact of losing all those players in the core and, uh, you know, adjusting to new players. We've kind of covered that, so, so we'll leave that one there. 
David Carter asks, how do we get the best out of Robert Glatzel? Ben, what do you think? Um, I think it just takes time in building a partnership. I think playing to his feet is also another key bit, bit of what you want from him. He's not a player that's going to... He can score with his head, but he's not spectacular holding the ball up. So the whole sort of launching it from Morrison or Smithies up to him and expect him to hold up to bring people in to run into the box isn't really sort of his style. He needs to build up a partnership. He needs to get a bit of understanding for the league. And I think just keep giving the chances and it'll come. I think if he gets a clear chance the next week or uh, this Fulham game, I think he might score. I really hope he does. I think it's just keep it simple, keep it to him, get it to his feet. Perfect. And John, for you, uh, Nat, Nat XO, I'm not sure how you say that, asks uh, what do you think our best back four is? Um, he thinks that Flint hasn't been particularly impressive, he's too slow and clumsy, and that Peltier, Morrison, Nelson and Bennett is the strongest back four. It's a, it, again, it's a, a tough one, and I and I have to be careful what I say. For, for, for me, I think at the moment when things are uh, a little bit up and down, I I would go with my experienced guys. I would go with my my sort of team leaders. So I would have Flint and, and Morrison together. There's there's an obvious weakness there in terms of of pace, but you just need to. Well, the communication needs to be good, and I, I, I'm sure both of them are very good at communicating. One man perhaps presses and attacks the ball, and, and maybe another man sits in behind, and you know the fullbacks are, are, have got to be alert and, and, and covering behind if there is a ball in the channel. So I, I would go with tried and trusted at the moment. Certainly for tomorrow, I'd, I'd go Peltier, uh, Flint, Morrison, and, and Bennett. But I, I think Nelson's got potential, and I think he is perhaps a little bit more athletic i think he's very commanding in in the air um so i i don't think he's a bad deputy but i i would go with the tried and trusted and i do think they will despite the goals we have been conceding um i don't necessarily think all of them have been the the, the back four's fault far from it and i think they will play themselves into form yeah i i'd agree with that and ben i'll ask you one because i this one because i think it will be uh one that John couldn't answer, as it's about the club. And Blue Man sixty one says, "Does the club have a plan or a vision?" Uh, Mehmet Dalman said last year that we didn't. Um, what do you think about that? We we actually did um, a really long podcast last the end of last season about the future of Cardiff City and post Warnock, Sporting Director, that type of thing. But what, what, what's your take on that? Um, I think short term, I don't think there is too much of a vision. I think between now and sort of hopefully eight, well, I'd say March time, they're looking at a succession plan for Warnock. But um, I think from when there was that big statement when Paul Trollope came in about how we're going to play throughout the youth systems, uh, getting Bellamy in and sort of bringing that forward, I think that sort of stayed true from what I've heard. It's not a case of everyone's playing this sort of way. While it's not the same in the first team, I think the youngster, the young teams are playing a sort of a similar style all the way throughout, so they're sort of developing that early on. Um, it's a case of you need to look at where we are midway through the season and say, right, is that a time now to bring that forward to the first team? Or do we hold off and go again for another short-term appointment? That's something that the club needs to make a decision on. It's a really, really big decision. And I think the club needs someone like Neil Warnock to make that decision for him because I don't think I'd... Not that I don't trust the board to make that decision, on their own, but I think it needs a real sort of football man to sort of understand that and bring it in and have a sort of, I don't think this would a sport like a head of a director of football work for city at the moment, the way it is. 
I don't think so, but I don't think it would hurt like having someone like Neil Warnock who stays on in an advisory role. That's more where I see the sort of club future of the structure of the club going. Yeah, like I said, we did a really long podcast with then last season, uh, myself, Ben James and Mark Carter, so it's definitely worth going to check that out where we discussed all that type of thing. And and finally, uh, John, coming back to you, Tim Burns asked, has anyone seen a goal scored from a long throw in the Warnock era? He says direct long ball, that's all effective at times, but the throw is useless. I've got quite a strong opinions on this in that if Sean Morrison isn't in the box, sometimes he takes them, it's pointless because he's, he's our biggest threat. But what what's your take on the long throw? Do you think it's worth persevering with? I think any time you can get the ball into the box, it's it's worthwhile. I, I agree with you. I, on the Sean Morrison thing, he's very good at attacking the ball. I, I guess my um, opinion on that is sometimes I think we could use him as a decoy and I think we could get other runners. You know, we're not short of height with, with people like Flint and if Patterson's in the side. So sometimes I think you could... You know, use uh, use Sean Morrison as a as a little bit of a decoy. Percentage wise, I'm I'm sure it's it's very low scoring from long throws. But I I remember having the same conversation what 10, 15 years ago when Andy Legg used to take the long throws and, and <laughs> yeah. did we ever score from them? So you you always get a, a, a bit excited when when someone's going to take a long throw, and then more often than not you're disappointed. But I, I don't disagree with the question and i can see where he's coming from but at the same time i would ask if we're it's sort of one all tomorrow in the 89th minute and we've got to throw in level with the penalty box um you know would he be disappointed or would she be disappointed i, I don't know um if if the ball didn't go into the box so i think sometimes you've got to read the game and if there's options and if there's something short and if you can use morrison as a decoy again vary it up but if you can get the ball into a dangerous area why not get the ball into a dangerous area yeah, I definitely agree with that. And and guys, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for, for joining me this week. And um, here's hoping for three points tomorrow night against Fulham. Yeah, let's get the weekend off to a good start. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Mansura. Thank you for listening to The View from the Ninian. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. And quick question, are you subscribed to us on your favourite podcast platform? If you're not, please go and do it and make sure that you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. We'd also appreciate if you left us a review. It really helps us grow the podcast. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. And you can find great written content, including an interview with Cardiff Star Striker, new signing Robert Glatzel this week, on viewfromtheninian.com and catch us on Twitter at VFTNNinian. That's VFTNNinian. Come on, City. <laughs>